0: Open up your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, please, and then uh, we'll read verse 20. The Bible says, But I will remove far off from you the northern army, and will drive him into a land barren and desolate, with his face toward the east sea, and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. Now, for some of you who might be wondering what this uh, verse is about, the Lord talks about that the northern army, which will happen in the end times, where basically uh, the northern army, there will be coming down, and uh, the northern army, for some of you who don't know, is the army of the Antichrist. And the Lord God Almighty is going to defend His people at the tribulation. So there's going to be a tribulation under the reign of the Antichrist. And then afterwards, this northern army from the Antichrist will come and try to invade the land of Israel. But God is going to defend His people, the Jews. So He's going to come down, intervene on their behalf, and defend them and protect His people. And He's going to do a huge, large slaughter of the army. There's going to be a huge, large slaughter... And there's going to be, uh, he's going to basically. For some of you who don't know, the blood is going to reach up toward the hem of his garments. That's how deep the blood is. And basically, with all these dead bodies that the Lord has accomplished, the the last parts here speaks volumes. It mentions about at the last part of verse 20, his stink shall come up. His stink shall come up. I find that pretty interesting. And that's the title of my text. That's the main point of my text. Is concerning about the stink of the land. Because the stink is going to go up so high from the Antichrist army, it's going to come up. People will know about the death. People, because they can smell the millions of dead bodies that have been conquered by God at the Battle of Armageddon. And sometimes I ask myself, and then I want you... To ask yourselves this, is that, is there a stink that's coming up out of you that other people can smell? Uh, Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes people judge things uh, by smell more than sight. There are some moments that happen. For example, even if the food tastes really good and and it looks good, there are people who still won't eat it if it smells bad, if it smells bad. Brother Randall, that kimchi looks really good. It's fresh and crisp, but there's just something about the smell that just drives you away. We'll get you one day. We'll get you one day. I tried. Yeah, you tried. <laughs> but the bed as well. The bed, if it's very, very comfortable and it's huge and nice, you still won't sleep on it if it smells. Because the mind wanders about what happened here in the bed. The shirt, even if it's washed, there are people who still won't wear it. You might say, why? If it smells pretty strong, right? Maybe the bleach is just a little bit too strong, or something went on with the washer. Even if it's clean, you still won't wear it. And that's the point, is that sometimes, even if things are done well by you, and even though tech, even though you're not really sinning, and you're not sinning, the thing is, is that The things that you do can give off a smell to other people. And the people, when they smell it, even though it looks good and even though you act good and you're not doing anything sinful, to them, something smells fishy. And it could be something to a point where you lose your testimony. For example, pastor might not do anything with the secretary, but when they go alone at night, then sometimes people are wondering, something smells fishy here, right? Christians can proclaim that they love the brethren and that they pray for them, but they never talk to them, especially if newcomers come and you don't talk to them, even though you do love them. Why? Because, see, it gives off a weird smell. It doesn't change that fact. And that's how newcomers might take it, which I hope not. But it's the same thing with other Christians here who have been in church for a while, and they sense that way. There are church members who skip a few services. And people don't know about the reasons why they skip the church service. It could be because of a health problem. It could be issues related to their work or their home. But if there's a particular member that you see coming and then they've been skipping once every two Sundays and then once every three Sundays, once every four Sundays, the natural reaction of the people is that they're smelling the person in a way that, well, the person's just not uh, right with God. He's not really on fire for the Lord. But maybe the person is suffering a bad incident at the home, right? But we don't know. We can only go by the smell. See, the point is, in the Christian life, it is very important to not just avoid sin, but to avoid things that appear or give the testimony of something that is sinful. So I wonder if somebody here stinks today. So I think the title is appropriate. Somebody stinks. Let's pray. God, my Father, I pray that you'll please fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash away my sins with your blood. Help me to preach in power and in truth. Pro- continually protect your people and this church. And may the truth march on. Cast out anything that gives a stench, Heavenly Father. I pray that you'll cast them out and you'll get full victory. And that the people hear that they'll get full victory. And that they'll be able to change their lives in a way that will glorify and honor you. Drive out anything that is evil from the smell. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My first point is your stink at the future. Your stink at the future. I want us to look at a future point on how your smell will affect you later on in life. Sometimes you don't realize that the way that you do things is going to smell bad in the future. For example, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. The Bible shows here that a person who is lacking in faithfulness, especially during moments of trouble, that we need the person at that specific time and that specific moment, the Bible says you can't put confidence in that kind of a man. It's like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You're going to trust your foot when it's out of joint to walk on? Can't put confidence in that. And a lot of people, they lack faithfulness. And there are good reasons. Sometimes, you know, the job is too difficult or I'm too busy or I just can't keep up. But what you don't realize is when you're lacking Or the less faithful you are in in church, the less trust people will have on you. Especially during moments of trouble where we need the person for a specific situation and time, and you're not there. Why? Because you weren't faithful at that moment. And because of that, then you're going to lose the trust at that pivotal, important moment. Unfaithfulness basically creates the stink ahead in your future as mistrust, mistrust. Sometimes you have to look at yourself and ask you that ask yourself, you know it doesn 't matter what my good reasons are on why I was not faithful in this particular moment at church or in this particular moment in my walk with Jesus Christ, because outwardly. People, they're going to lose confidence in you. People, they lose trust in you. I mean, it's even for a a legit person, a legit person who lives very far away, maybe two hours away, and that person uh, can't be present in church all the time, the people and the pastor cannot depend on that particular person to keep the church going, right? Why? Because they can't put confidence in a person who cannot be consistent and there all the time. See, the point is, is that when you're lacking in your faithfulness, the least trust, the trust will drop even more upon you. They're not going to trust you during these pivotal moments, these important moments. I mean, you can give out a lot of good excuses to your wife or to your husband or to your kids, right? Like, I'm too busy. I can't take care of this. But then it doesn't change the fact that you're the wife or the husband, or your children, they're going to lose their trust in you when you're not there for them. See? So sometimes we have to ask ourselves these, is that even though it's not sin and things can't be helped, when you're lacking in your consistency and your faithfulness, what happens? It still gives off a stench at the end. It gives us off a stench at the end where people, they just see lack of confidence, where there's mistrust involved. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. The Bible says that if you have a problem with anger issues, guess what? It stirs up, it starts out divisions, strifes, and fighting. But if you're slow in it, then you calm it down. Now, the thing is, is that you might be mad at somebody in the church... And you might not like really show it or you might try to keep it into yourself. And it's not like you're purposely or deliberately starting a division or problems in the church. But you don't realize when there's something in you that has this little bit of anger or jealousy at a person. There's going to be a stink that's going to come up pretty soon. And people are going to smell division and tension and problem. People can smell it. I'm not saying that you just uh, punched a person in the church all of a sudden. But there's something in you that's upset at a person. And when it's stuck inside you, guess what? The stink comes out. People are going to smell it. Even though you look good, right? You look good. You act good. You're a nice, loving Christian. But then if there's something in there that's anger, guess what? The smell is going to come out. Smell comes out. And it doesn't matter what your good reasons are. And a lot of people have good reasons about to be mad at somebody. I feel like I have a good reason to be mad when I'm involved in a family fight. That happens. Or somebody who's very close in my life. I feel like I have a good reason to be mad. And I have rightful, legitimate reasons to do so. As do everybody involved in a fight, right? Or an argument. You feel like that. And you feel wrong. But it doesn't change the fact that when there's that anger stuck inside you it's going to create a stink at the end. And that is division in a broken home. Division in a broken church. Division and broken fellowship. It does not change that fact. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 20 says Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words there's more hope of a fool than of him. The Bible shows here that when there's a person who's has a habit of being hasty. The Bible says a fool is more hopeful than that type of person, a hasty person. Another issue people have is hastiness. And what it does, it creates a stink in your future as foolishness then. Basically in the verse, more foolish than a fool. In the verse that we read. Sometimes you might say, well, I don't think that I'm being hasty in saying this. I'm not hasty in acting this way or doing this way or how I behave. But you got to be careful of that attitude of yours because uh, that kind of hastiness, what it creates is you appear foolish in the eyes of the world. Didn't you know that? The stink that it creates at the end is you look like a fool in front of the person person blabs off something out of his or her mouth, acts something out of his or her uh, body movements, facial expressions, all that kind of stuff. That hastiness and that reaction, you're like, well, it's okay. You know, it's not like a, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's okay with the people. They'll understand. It's just my character and etc. But guess what? Not in the eyes of the people who are smelling you. When they're smelling you, they look like, why did you say that? Why do you act that way? Why are you so foolish? I mean, this even happens even in a spiritual case. In a spiritual case, before you even fellowship with the person, or shout an amen, or when you approach and try to witness to a soul, I mean, you got to realize that everything that you say and do, are you being hasty about it? And then when you do that action that you did out of haste, do people see you as foolish? Especially street preaching, right? Street preaching. It's, the automatic assumption is you're a fool, obviously. So sometimes you don't want to prove their suspicion of you when you preach the gospel on the streets. What's my point here? My point is uh, if you're the type of person who has a hasty character, you're already stinking. And people see you as a fool and you don't want to look that way. See, sometimes we seriously don't take into account about how we smell to the other people. And we have to be careful with our fragrance. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 18 says, Through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. (laughs) So notice that the Bible shows here that when you're idle, guess what? Basically everything decays. The house falls apart. And that's what idleness does. It creates the stink in your future as deterioration. Everything falls apart. You might say, well, you know, I had to skip Bible reading for, today for a good reason. Uh, I had to add an extra hour of sleep. I know it may be beyond my normal routine of sleeping, but I did it for a reason. And, uh, you know, I had to skip church today. because. But the thing is, is that the more idle you are in your spiritual work, it does not change... The fact that your Christian life crumbles. When you put off one thing in your job, in your work, in your school, even in secular things, in life, it does not change the fact that your life starts to fall apart a little bit even more, doesn't it? So, it doesn't matter what your good reasons are, because outwardly people see it as your life is crumbling. Especially in the church, if you're idle on something in the church. Sometimes you're falling behind. Sometimes you're late. Sometimes you're not keeping account of people. Keeping tabs and then making sure you're doing your job. And sometimes you let it, the, uh, you're idle here and you're idle there. But when you do those things, you're not seeing a serious cost after that. The serious cost after that is uh, your involvement in the church deteriorates. It's falling apart. It's not a position where people can see that you're responsible, that you're mature. How can, I mean, If I think about this. If I, as a pastor, have these four issues that you heard about, let's say that there are some things I'm idle about, and it's not a sin. There are some things I'm idle about. There are some things that I'm kind of hasty with, but it's not a sin. There are some things that I'm upset at somebody or some situation And it's not a sin. I feel like I had a right to. And there are some times that there are some things I'm just not faithful in. With uh, pastoring a church service, trying to get here on time, trying to make sure everything is doing well. If I as a pastor did that, how will our church progress be right now? Will we get the amount of newcomers in our church? Will we get some of the members in our church actually growing and learning? Will we actually get people who feel like that the pastor is not really there for them? See? I mean, all these things, I have good reasons. I have good reasons for these four things, but it doesn't change the fact that it just created a stink from my church. Does San Jose Bible Baptist Church stink? My second point is your stink at the present. Your stink at the present. Now, you're, you're not taking caution about how you will stink at the future to cause damage, but you're also not seeing the stink that you're causing even right now. You don't even know that you're stinking right now. Some of you don't know that it's stinking to high heaven in this church, so that's why we're all wearing masks. That's the real reason why. (laughs) I kid, but the point is this. The point is, is that in this Uh, wicked area that we're in where they're just so restrictive and trying to make people wear masks and etc that we don't realize that we are stinking to high heaven and people, they haven't told you about it why? Because it looks awkward but you just stink and it causes a problem to the people around you and you're causing hurt for your own life and sometimes you think that Christians are just not there for you they just don't love you as much as you should. Or pastor should not, he's not really trusting you as much when you, he should be trusting you with much. But hey, maybe because you stay. 1 yeah. Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's a verse that should be memorized. That's a verse that should be memorized. Hold on one second, please. Now, I don't know if you realize that this is a command. He didn't say, you can abstain from all appearance of evil. No, he didn't give a declarative statement. He says, he didn't ask you, can you abstain from all appearance of evil? No, he didn't do that. He gave an imperative statement. He gave a command. He says, abstain. That means to avoid. That means to avoid at all costs possible from all appearance of evil. Anything that appears... Evil in your testimony. See, a lot of people, they only take account with, uh, well, you know, I haven't sinned against God, so if people misunderstand for what I do, that's on them, you know. No! See, you don't care a flip about your testimony. That's your problem. You could care less about your testimony. That is your problem. you got to realize that God commanded you to abstain from anything that looks or appears evil. Now, Some of you have to ask yourself this. You have to look carefully in anything in your life that appeared evil to others. And if it does, you need to change it. You need to change it. Didn't you know even myself that I would change? Yeah, I've been pastoring the church for 10 years. And you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. I preached the way that should be preached, taught the way that I should teach, talked to people the way I should talk to people, managed the church the way that I should manage people. But then I noticed that some of the decisions that I make, it causes a burden to some people. And they said, well, you know, you could change it in this way. You can uh, manage better in this way. What's wrong with me doing that? So I did it that way. And by doing it that way, the church environment becomes better. But if I completely ignored that and did my own way of doing things, they would have saw, they would have still seen an immature person Who thinks he can pastor the church and think he's all that. And he's too hard and inconsiderate of people. And he really doesn't care about me. Didn't you know that uh, you're sinning against God if you don't follow the command? Abstain from all appearance of evil. You are sinning. You are sinning. You have to change it. I'm not saying to change who you are. Everyone has their own unique character and personality that's different. Amen? Yeah. And God made you that way. But if there's a certain part... See, I'm not telling you to change your whole character. I'm asking you, if, is there a certain part in your character that could be managed better? To make it a better environment with the people you interact with or you minister to? maybe the preaching time could be cut just a little bit shorter right you don't have to preach uh, one hour and a half all the time maybe you can just come in a little bit earlier you don't have to like just come right on time all the time or a little bit later you could at least do that maybe you could talk at least two more sentences with a person that you don't talk much with you could at least do that much I mean, you can't, even, you can't even do a little bit of that much. If you don't, then, and you keep remaining the way that you are, then it's more so than the Lord reveals what's wrong with your heart. What's wrong with your heart is your pride. You're proud and you're stubborn. You're settled in your own ways. When the Bible says that our own ways is nothing but filthy rags. Our own ways that seem right to a man leads thereof to death. There's a certain part of your character that looks evil in the eyes of people. It should be changed. It should be changed. I mean, uh, I can't tell you how many countless, uh, even like uh, situations in church where there are tensions within the church and then I have to be a mediator factor. I can't tell you how many times that I did that. It was so crucial and important that with both parties, for example, that I had to make sure that my heart had to appear in a way that was not evil. That way they find no blemish or schism with me and they say, and they accuse the pastor wrongly. See, so it is very important, especially in the eyes of the world. And I'm online too, right? That's even more so. I have to make sure that I do it in a manner that doesn't appear evil. And it gives the world a legitimate excuse that I am hateful, that I am arrogant, that I am prideful. That I want money, that I want power, that I want faith. I cannot give that impression. Not even one bit. And at the same time, I could not give a, an appearance that I'm a coward either. That I bow to the whims of the people. That I'm a people pleaser. Because then I'll stink in the other direction too. See, the, you know what the point is? See, the point is you're taking your Christian conduct more seriously now, aren't you? The point is, you can't just be the way that you are. Everyone changes. The character and personality will always be you, but it's going to be refined and molded into something better for the Lord. That's the thing. Everyone's personality character is unique, but God can make it even better through your own unique character if you're willing and if you would let Him do it. Christians... You know, they all think, well, those people don't see deep down inside how I really am. And they just judge me outwardly how I do things, you know. They judge me the way I talk, the way I act. But they don't know deep down inside what's going on with me or the real me inside me. Well, I get that, but that is the problem. Men do judge you on what you do outwardly, not inwardly. You know why? We're not God. We don't know everything about you. We don't go to your home and know everything. A thing deep down inside what a sincere, honest person that you are. You know what people are? They judge you outwardly by what you do. Come on. Yeah. Right. Come on. First Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know what God's looking at? God's looking at the heart, but man judges everything outwardly. Uh, yeah. right. And by the way, didn't you know even things that you do outwardly really comes from the heart? You think that in your heart you're a good person, you're a sincere person, but there's something else in there that is the real emotion, the real dark negative emotion, and that cannot be hidden. Do you understand what I'm saying? That cannot be hidden. It will come out, and it will give a stench, and people will smell it. That's, that's why it's so important that before I get involved or do anything, I have to have my heart right with God, and I always have my heart clear Right with God, especially in a family argument or someone who I'm really close with. It was so important that I'm totally honest, transparent in my heart and I get a right with God. I even pray in the middle of my argument. I do that. I do that. You know what? I keep tabs on my heart before I say and do something. And guess what? If you're married and you have a spouse, they will smell you. No matter how much you keep it inside, they will smell you. Women more so. They are scary creatures. They will smell you, husband. You know. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then the woman will go. Why did you go? Oh, there's a reason for that. You know. You really don't take this seriously. You know. <laughs> you know Ten more minutes. You know. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, brother, watch your smell. I'm giving you goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, see. We don't really understand that it is so important that we have to have a clean heart. See that? Fresh and clean and honest. By doing that, it will show outwardly. Sometimes we do things because we do things like, ah, or stuff like that. But you got to realize those things happen because there's some meaning somewhere in the heart. So it's important to be honest. I mean, if I do that with someone that I love or someone that I'm close with, I'm at, I'll, I'll be transparent and I say, okay, uh, I'm sorry that I did that. The reason why I did that was because I had a long day and my brain was so tired, so all I could do was just go, ah. And by doing that, then the other side or the person gets it a little more, right? (laughs) Let me go. So see, you gotta, so that's why it's so important to check your heart consistently. Sometimes we do things, act things, think, uh, uh, say things, just because, just because, and that's dangerous, see? See? Uh, Last week's sermon, do you remember? You have to think before you do something. A lot of times we just go by how our flesh feels or how the environment. You know, reality is, if we're going to be totally honest, you don't really know your heart. You know that? Even though you think you're honest, you're sincere, you actually don't know that deep down inside that there is something insincere there. There is something sinful in there. Because the Bible says, I'm going to give you two verses... Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See, it all comes out, what they smell outwardly from you does come from the heart deep down inside. And Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, you don't really know yourself like you think you know yourself. The flesh deceives you. You know how... How bad you're stinking that you really can't tell? A skunk cannot tell from his own smell that he stinks. Why? Because it's a part of me. It's just who I am. But the skunk does not realize that he does smell. Who can tell that he stinks? The other people around him. Once they look at, uh, uh, once you see something, a uh, white stripe and black, then you know, oh, run away. You know? And the poor little innocent animal is like, what did I do wrong? You know. You know what the point is? The point is, is that that animal, I know it's kind of funny, but that animal does not realize the impression and the reputation and his or her testimony that he held for the past 6,000 years of history. And that's the sad thing with, this, with Christians. Some of you can't tell that you stink. And some of you are going to live that way till the day you die for many years, just like a skunk. Why are people avoiding you? Why are people treating you this way? Why is it like that? There's something you have to check in your heart that you smell and that you stink. So then comes the obvious question, right? How do I get rid of my stink? Well, the first thing we would usually do if you stink is you would wash yourself, right? Isn't that a dull statement? Yeah, maybe the reason why you stink is because you didn't take a bath. But that's the key. Ephesians 5, 26-27 That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that that it should be holy and without blemish. That verse shows you present sanctification of a Christian. And that is by doing spiritual things, following the word of God. And it's that simple. Is that if you don't want to give a stink to the people, live your life according to the word of God. By constantly reading the Bible, praying and following its precepts, doing so many spiritual things, coming to church, passing out tracts, winning soul, talking to people, being a blessing, just simply following the word of God. What are people going to automatically notice? They're going to automatically notice this is a good man. This is a good woman. Isn't, Isn't it that simple? Even in, didn't you realize that even in some areas that you stink on, if you constantly wash yourself The washing, the smell of the washing can at least drown out a little bit more of the the smell. The stinky part, you might have a little bit in there, but if the wash smell is greater, then at least you'll survive. It's like that you didn't take a shower yesterday and then you all just sprayed yourself with cologne, you know, and people can't (laughs) tell that uh, you didn't take a shower yesterday, all right. Now, the point is this the point is just keep. Washing yourself, see? If you keep washing yourself, I mean, then it's going to make up for the stink that you have. And people are going to even hardly notice your stink. And even when they notice your stink, the washing smell and that fragrance just pretty much drowns it out. One problem that you realize is because you're thinking of a particular deed that you good deed that you did with people or a particular spiritual thing that you did with people that people will automatically treat you better you know there are those kind of people people who uh say you know i've been with pastor ever since the beginning and came to church faithfully all the time but now you know it seems like the pastor uh plays favorite with this particular person even ask that person to take care of a service within and that person's only been here for one or two years and you know because of that it just don't seem right and You know, that's your problem. You're looking so much at what? Your resume of church attendance, a particular spiritual deed. And only concentrating on your good points make you so blind to your bad points. So you know what you need to do? You need to uh, just keep washing. That's the point. That's what I do in an argument, a heated argument with somebody close to right? I constantly wash myself. Like with the word, with the right heart and intention. And by doing that, I don't smell as bad to the person that I'm arguing with. That does happen. It'll do wonders with your family home, all right? It'll do wonders with your family home. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. The third point is your stink at the past. Your stink at the past. So now we have to look back in your life. You already have a resume now. Cumulative life experience of people knowing what kind of person you are now. And if there's a stink in your life, and it's been years and people knew about it, you already have a record of that stink. And it stays on the record for people to always see every Sunday. You know, God is such a perfect person compared to us. We can all agree with that. But even though he is so perfect that you're not supposed to find flaws with him, isn't it amazing that mankind and even we Christians ourselves still try to find some flaw with God? Great example, suffering, right? And we go, why God? I feel like you've forsaken me or you're not really there for me and I think you're just up in heaven laughing like it's a game. Mankind today, they always find any kind of flaw with God. Schools and the television spew out garbage out of their mouth, finding any flaw in the Bible and with God, even though he has a perfect record and he has a perfect testimony. But they still try to find flaws with him. So what makes you think that if people are so good at finding flaws with a perfect God, that they won't find flaws with you, who's not as perfect as God? You know, you're all you're in your own little world, thinking that oh, I'm right with God and I'm okay, and you know this is just how I am. If people misunderstand or people think differently, that's on them, and etc. Look, see, you're you're in your own little world. You got to be careful of that one, because you don't realize how bad you stink to the other people. Kimchi is harmless. Kimchi didn't do anything wrong. I don't smell. I taste good, actually. But there are some people who smell it and say, I can't help it. I can't just eat you, right? But that's human nature. Human nature. You don't realize how much you're hurting or burdening the other person. Because you're not in their world. You're in your own little world. And if you enter into their world, then can you imagine the pain that they're feeling? The burden that they're feeling. The stress that they're sensing. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. God, uh, the Apostle Paul gave a challenge to the people. Let a man so account of us. So he's challenging them. What kind of flaw? What kind of mistake did I make? Can you do that with this church? Let me give a challenge here. If I ask the church, To write three flaws, three flaws they can find with you, I want you to use your heads. What do you think they will be? Come on, answer the question in your mind. None of you just say it out, all right, please. I don't want to hear it. Marijuana, you know, no, I don't hear that, you know. So if a person, if I ask the whole church here and say, okay, Gene Kim, all of a sudden. Max O'Neill, or all, right. all of a sudden, I called out the name. I told the church, all right, I want you to find three flaws, three flaws, and write it down with this particular person. Think about it. What do you think it will be if you're the person they're writing about? What do you think it will be? Another question, can you get away with it? Can they write it down about you, your flaw? Um, I would like to ask you this question. If people who don't know everything about you, everything that you thought or felt in your heart, and they're able to write three flaws about you, how much more can God, at the judgment seat of Christ, who knows every thought, intention, and heart, and feeling, emotion, and... It gets a little bit more humbling and scary after that, right? You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, very plain. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This verse is not talking about the heart or the thoughts. This verse is talking about your actions you've done outwardly in your body. See, God's not just judging you on how you thought when you were very sincere and honest deep down inside the heart. No, God is going to judge you outwardly as well by what you did in your body. Why? Because this is his temple. And he wants to make sure that the temple is doing a clean job. Did anything. Now it gets you to self-reflect a little bit more, right? If you can think about the three flaws people will write about you, are you ready to see those responses, what they write about you? Do you think it'll get you to finally see there's something about you that you could change at least a little bit or explain a little bit? Or just tweak it a bit or manage your life better? Anything you do outwardly doesn't appear sinful because it is a command by God in Scripture abstain from all appearance of evil. Sometimes you might be wondering lately why your Christian life has not had much power or joy or a lot of fruits. Do you feel like that? Are you wondering about that? It's so simple because outwardly you don't show it. It's that simple. Outwardly you don't show it. That's why you feel down and depressed. Miserable. You feel like you haven't accomplished much for the Lord. You feel guilty. What you've got to do is you've got to outwardly show that I have joy in the Lord. You have to outwardly show that I have peace in Jesus Christ. You have to outwardly show to people that I really love people and God really loves me. You have to outwardly show that God is good to me. You can't just say it, God is good, you know, like that, when you're like, God is good. And no, then it's not outwardly showing. If you don't outwardly show it, then obviously it shows from your heart you don't really mean it. It's got to be shown that you, uh, when your life demonstrates and shows power, then the Lord can give power. Sometimes uh, we wonder if we're being a hypocrite for doing it. And sometimes we wonder like, well, when I'm trying to show it outwardly, I feel like I'm being half-hearted about it. But no, one thing I learned is this. One thing I learned is when you do things outwardly, It does affect you inwardly, your heart. When you actually say, I love singing the hymn, and then you sing it with joy, guess what? It convinces your heart to do so. It convinces your mind about it. If you say, I hate worldly music, and uh, the more that you show that, the more that you demonstrate that, and the more that you show your love for hymns, guess what? It will affect your heart. And when you hear the first beat out of the radio, you can't help but just shut off your mind after that. Soul winning is difficult and hard, but you know what we, ha- we got to try to do when we go out? Soul winning is, all right, let's see. Let's go out and I, want, I can't wait to see a soul get saved. Not like with weariness. And we got to give that kind of attitude. Like there is a joy there that I want to get involved. I can't wait to preach the gospel on the street. Stand up for Jesus Christ. When you do that, and when you say that, and especially when you have 5 or 10 people saying that, what does it do to you? It powerfully affects you. And you make and you make yourself see there is so much power. There is so much joy in doing this soul winning. But you never believed it because you never showed it. Numbers 1539 says and it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to go a whoring. Uh, this verse is powerful. It shows that just by having a fringe in their clothing outwardly, it's going to show outwardly to people where it affects their heart that, look, I'm not going to go a whoring or seeking after the world or wickedness. I have to keep my eyes on Jesus Christ. Why do you think that I put on uh, this outfit for church? Why do you think we believe in dressing our best? Because we want to demonstrate how serious we are for the Lord. And uh, what holiness is, what taking reverence for His Word is. Because if people do that for their job interviews, and people do that uh, when they meet with the President, and etc., i got to do that for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why? We all recognize that for our leaders... And for a special high positions that we take it seriously. And we demonstrate the seriousness and the awesomeness of the Lord. Yes. Outwardly does make an effect inwardly. See? Yeah. You know, what's really sad is... I hope that you can uh, think of yourself in this story when I talk about myself. My past life, it was full of the stink of sin. And I just smelled really bad. I just did so many sins... But then the Lord, he just plucked out one of his roses from heaven. And then he says, okay, uh, I'm going to take out this rose from my garden. And it's the rose of Sharon. I'm going to send you down on earth. All right. Go down there and you're going to die. Because you're going to give up your smell, your fragrance for the pers- those people who stink. And the rose of Sharon did go down to earth and died for my sins. And the rose of Sharon is Jesus Christ. He gave a sweet fragrance that filled up the the wretched stench in my life. And once I received that Rose of Sharon into my heart, the Rose of Sharon, its fragrance began to give out a little bit of a whiff. And automatically the world smelled it. Automatically the people close to my life says, What happened to you? You're different. Why do you pray before you do that? Why are you driving so far to church and Huh? You have tracks in your pockets. Why did you change your dressing? And see, the rose of Sharon, the fragrance, began to show. It began to show outwardly, outwardly, the fragrance. People were smelling it. But what became very sad was little by little, my outward flesh began to stink a little bit more, a little bit more, as I yielded a little bit more to the whims of my stinking flesh. If this flesh don't take a bath for a day or two or three to four days to five weeks of not receiving that spiritual bath that I needed, going to church, reading the Bible, praying, the stench automatically came out as well. And the people began to notice, you know, the smell. You were first coming to church faithfully. You were the one that we depended upon in church. You were the one who was consistent in church and etc. But there's something different about you now. You're not the same as before. And you're not as strong as before. You're not as fired up as before. But you don't realize it. Only the other people knew. And they smelled you. And when they smelled you, they noticed that the smell is not as glorious as before. And you know what became sad? When I witnessed to lost people, and I fellowshiped with fellow Christians, and I prayed to the Lord... The world, my fellow Christians, and even God himself, they all smelled me and they said this, The fragrance of the rose is gone." I hope that's not you today. Can the lost world, do fellow Christians, and even God himself, smell the rose of Sharon within you? Or have they been sniffing and they said, I don't smell him anymore? Every head bow and every eye shut. The altar call is open. If the Lord laid it upon your heart, please feel free to come forward to this altar's floor and pray on your knees. If you prefer to pray in your seat as well, that's perfectly fine. If you want to kneel on the ground and pray next to your seat, that's perfectly fine too. However way the Lord laid it upon your heart. We give you this time and opportunity to pray to the Lord and to see which things in your life that you want to get the smell back the rose of sharon you know people knew you as a person who smelled wonderful and that they knew jesus was in you but it's that flesh right the old man came out your your character just a little bit came out and then it started to take over more and more and people don't smell jesus as strong within you as before We want to make sure every single person in this room is saved. The last thing we want you to do is leave this church and you're not saved. If you were to die today, please answer this honestly to yourself. If you're to die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? You might say, I am not 100% sure. Then right now would be a great time. It's so easy. Three easy steps. Three easy steps. Step number one. Realize you can't go to heaven, that you're going to burn in hell after you die forever. Why? Because you've sinned. Let's be honest. You've sinned before, right? At least once. (laughs) I've sinned too. We have to realize that because of sin, that there is a price and you're going to burn in hell forever. So number one, just realize you're lost and you're going to burn in hell because of sin. You might say, okay, I realize that. So I want to get saved. How do I do that? Well, step number two. That's why you know the story. Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. But people don't know that story, the real meaning. Do you know why Jesus did all that? So his blood can wash away your sin. That's why Jesus died. It's to get rid of all the sins you've committed, which means then you're clean enough to go to heaven because you have zero sin, right? Right? that's step number two. People mess up in step number two. They feel like they have to do something themselves. I have to clean up my life. I have to go to church. I have to get baptized. I have to start living for the Lord, loving Jesus, keep his commandments. But God says not anything by what you do. Otherwise, why did Jesus even bother to die for you? If there's anything you can do about it, he died to save you, meaning you can't do it yourself. So that leaves step number three. Step number three. Realizing all of this, all you have to do now is just say it to God. Just say it to God. God, I know sin puts me to hell, so I repent. But there's nothing I can do about it, God. All I can do is just believe. Just believe what you did on the cross can save me. If you do that, then you're saved. It's that simple. You can say that right now. You might say, well, pastor, I don't know how to say it to God. Can you help me out? Sure, I can give you the words to say it and you can repeat after me. But remember, repeating a prayer does not save you. People think that. It's believing what he did for you on the cross. I'm just giving you the words how to say it. That's all I'm doing. So repeat after me in these words. And you don't have to feel embarrassed or ashamed. Every head is bowed and every eye is shut. I am not going to point you out. You don't have to repeat after me out loud. You can just repeat silently to yourself. Mean every word with all your heart. Say it this way. Dear God, I repent as a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sin. I'm only trusting in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you could bow your head and close your eyes just one last time, please, one last time. And This is out of respect so that you don't feel embarrassed, so that other people don't feel embarrassed. If you just repeated those words after me, and this is your first time with me. This is your first time with me. Could you just slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? I just want to make sure every, somebody got saved. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your honesty. There is no shame. I'm not going to point you out. So thank you for your honesty. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, my Father, I pray that today has been the day of salvation. And I pray that the people here who are already saved, that they've got some things cleaned up in their lives, that they're going to wash and make the rose of Sharon bloom. But the rose of Sharon cannot bloom its full fragrance unless we allow it, Father. And I pray that our stubbornness and our pride of our flesh will be molded and yielded to the fragrance of the rose of Sharon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, Please, uh, members, if you can uh, make sure that you talk to the newcomer.